Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Uh, today we are continuing our journey through Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. We have covered the uh, Beatitudes. Last week we talked about kind of a transition to some more general teaching that Jesus does, and we covered the fact that we are to be the salt of the earth. And today we're coming to uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, which says... <laughs> You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Well, that's funny because you are the light of the world is one of those phrases that um, I couldn't have told you where the original origin was, but uh, we hear that phrase used quite frequently. Uh, we certainly do. Uh, by the way, I need to make a correction. I was one number off. It, uh, the salt of the uh, salt of the earth thing is uh, verse 13. Uh, light of the world is 14. Oh, okay. So today's verse that we're talking about is verse 14. All of right. uh, Matthew chapter 5. We don't want people to get too confused, particularly when they're trying to look these verses up, as most people do these days, on the app on their smartphones. Well, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of vetting going on, a lot of fact-checking. Um, I don't know whether it's because of the uh, political conventions, but, uh, you know, mm. first of all, <laughs> we're not trying to... Uh, we're trying to give credit where credit is due, first of all, by, uh, you know, quoting the verses. Well, you know. we're trying to be specific so that people, if they want to look it up in one of their uh, Bible commentary programs also, you know, you'll go to the right place. I'm exceedingly pleased, Mark, how uh, we have been getting feedback uh, just as we endorse on the show, but uh, we've got couples listening to the podcast together now, right. and uh, we got a, an email from over the weekend where a couple listened on their long drive home and listen to the whole series on the Beatitudes. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the ultimate uh, compliment to us. We're, we're very encouraged by hearing that couples are listening together. Yeah, and I think that's been uh, something that has been happening since we started doing the show, and we always uh, do enjoy hearing from them that uh, the uh, shows are being helpful. And, you know, what I like to think is that it's a discussion starter for couples to more or less, uh, at least in the case of what we've been covering lately, uh, do a Bible study together, or at least talk about God's Word together, and, uh, you know, look things up and discuss some of the things that we have talked about. And uh, so it's really uh, a sense of fulfillment for us that uh, we're getting couples to do that. Well, and I meant to mention on last week's show, and and uh, I'll do so now, if you do have a comment, if you do have a trigger of the week recommendation for us, uh, those ideas can always be sent to us at info at faithfulandtrue.com. All lowercase, no spaces, info at faithfulandtrue.com, and that'll come right to us, and we really appreciate that. Well, first of all, let's uh, get into this a little bit, and I will confess that as I was reading the person, Dr. William Barkley, that I've been using for this series, uh, this is one of the shorter sections uh, that he writes about, which uh, I was a little surprised at, given the fact that it's, uh, I think, one of the more famous of the verses in the Sermon on the Mount. But I think that's because uh, it's really pretty basic. It's really pretty clear what uh, this verse is talking about, what Jesus is talking about here. I think the first and the main thing that we um, need to understand about this is that we're talking about something 
that Jesus uh, referred to himself as, uh, that he was the light of the world. In John, uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, what was uh, true is that this was certainly a, a concept that the Jewish mind that Jesus was talking to at the time would completely understand. They referred to various things as possessing the light of the world. There were several famous rabbis that were uh, called lights and so forth. So being, being light was very important to the Jewish mind because we have to understand, of course, in those days, no electricity. The average house was lucky to have a central candle of some sort, which they would uh, uh, try to position in such a way as to give illumination to the entire house. But those of us that live in the modern world, I guess the only way we can kind of imagine this is to go back to a, um, a time or experience where our electricity has gone out. Uh, with all the storms here in uh, Minnesota and across the nation, uh, that has been a frequent occurrence. But, you know, when uh, that happens in the evening and it's dark and you get out, you know, a candle, put one candle in the center of a room and see how much uh, light uh, it actually projects, which is really not that much. Um, the average Jewish house uh, didn't have windows either. So they had a door and uh, they had this central candle and um, it was pretty dark. It was pretty dim. It had to have led to a lot of early bedtimes because, you yeah. know, you can just imagine if you're sitting in a room that is primarily pitch dark, uh, it's going to be hard to to do any other activity uh, without the use of light. Yeah, that's right. So light was an important concept, as, as it really should be to us. We just kind of take it for granted, don't we, that uh, we have so much light, so much artificial light these days. Well, Cindy, my wife Cindy and I have, have kind of an ongoing joke when the electricity goes off and you're trying to make do, mm -hmm. and we'll just say, oh, that's okay, we'll just pop a DVD, or we'll just pop a movie in, and, you know, and watch a movie since there's no electricity. Yeah, right. And then, and then you start then to you realize, realize that one does not happen without the other, and, uh, and you're back to realizing that, uh, that you're uh, sitting in the dark. Well, I wonder how many people out there actually have emergency generators so that they can uh, plug the refrigerator or the freezer into that and not lose their food. Or, uh, I guess if you're a movie fanatic, you can uh, plug your TV into the generator. But needless to say, unless we get too far astray here, that light is a you know very important concept, and uh, Jesus is using you know obviously it to uh, teach us some things. And I think the main point about it is that uh, the Jewish mind would have completely understood that when Jesus was talking about this, what he really meant was that we are not to produce our own light. We are not to be so brilliant ourselves or whatever that uh, we produce our own light, but that we were really to reflect the light of Jesus. And that means specifically that uh, if Jesus is in fact dwelling in our heart, then we will be a light only as we reflect that. And that light would shine through us. I mean, they couldn't uh, avoid but notice that inner glow that would be coming from us, right? Well, the inner glow is uh, an interesting way to put it. How many of us can recognize uh, that there are certain people in our life, wherever we are, that uh, do seem to be Radiant. They they light up a room when they walk in. Right. Yeah, I, I, I have experienced that with uh, rare individuals, and it's interesting because to imagine it back in in the days of Jesus, 
uh, for him trying to inspire us to be lights of the world uh, is to, I think, again, be his invitation to draw us nearer to him so that we can inspire right. others. Right. Well, we are constantly to be focused on trying to relate more directly to Jesus and to have him more a presence in our life. Um, Debbie and I were sitting on our back deck this morning, and we were sharing with each other the uh, the day's devotion from the very popular book called Jesus Calling. And uh, the woman who writes that is, uh, she must have lots of conversations with Jesus, I mean, because it's very profound. And today's um, devotional was about listening for the voice of God, even in the most common of things, including uh, the birds. Uh, there was a uh, a line in it about, uh, listen to the birds, I may be trying to speak to you even through the birds. And uh, strangely enough, Debbie and I have constructed a kind of a, we call it a bird sanctuary. (laughs) We have a uh, similar situation on our deck. uh, Yeah, it's just a a series of uh, four or five bird houses, and we have gone to some length to uh, try to understand what kind of bird seed attracts various kinds of birds. And uh, just as we were talking about this and reading the uh, devotional this morning, one of our favorite birds showed up, uh, the male cardinal, in all of his bright redness. Mm -hmm. And um, that was certainly something that uh, maybe spoke to us, that uh, we are to enjoy the presence of Jesus in our life, even in the uh, most common of ways sometimes. So that's really what this verse is about, that we really need to work hard at inviting Jesus into our life, having him be a regular part of our life, listening for how he seeks to uh, talk to us, take care of us, walk with us, be present. And uh, then, if that experience can be true for us, then we will radiate that uh, light because Jesus is the light of the world. And when we are commanded to be the light of the world, we are just called to be the reflection of that light. That is such a great point to ponder. I think we should take a quick pause right here. We'll take our break and uh, let our listeners let that soak in because I think that's a really strong and inspirational message right there by itself. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at FaithfulAndTrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week. Uh, We have been getting uh, better results, I think, by our invitations to individuals and couples to send us triggers, so we've been getting some of that, and... Today's Trigger of the Week comes from 
I think we can say without violating anonymity, one of the couples that uh, came to our couples workshop this weekend, and uh, it was a great workshop. We had some wonderful people here from all over the country, and uh, this particular couple that uh, sent us a uh, trigger uh, happens to have uh, family here in the Twin Cities. I'm not going to identify too many details for the purposes of anonymity, but uh, they were out at a uh, restaurant, and uh, they were at a restaurant that happens to be on one of our many lakes. I, I think we could say that. It was Lake Minnetonka. Lake Minnetonka is one of our larger lakes here in the Twin Cities area, and there are uh, several communities that actually are on Lake Minnetonka, and uh, there's a lot of boating, a lot of fishing, a lot of lake life uh, there. And uh, part of lake life is going to restaurants on the lake, sometimes even taking your boat from one side of the lake to the other so you can go to a different restaurant. But they were at a restaurant with uh, family, and uh, they were, you know, I guess having a great time and, and noticing, um, you know, that there were people starting to file in there. And given the fact that it was on the lake, uh, they were starting to comment that, generally speaking, you know, on a Saturday night, the the people were kind of appropriately dressed for this kind of restaurant, and they were looking rather smart, although uh, they had some feeling that uh, there's been a, re a regeneration of 70s and 80s clothing, uh, lands in types of stuff, they were saying. Uh, and the husband was uh, basically, uh, you know, trying to stay focused on his wife and family, but inevitably, you know, they started walking into the restaurant, a number of very attractive women, I guess, who were, you know, not necessarily inappropriately dressed. But uh, one of the ways they put it in the email was, <clears throat> obviously, uh, these women were proud of their uh, Lake Minnetonka tan. Their summer tans, right, showing yeah. off their uh, their golden tans. And that kind of goes with the territory, because in Minnesota, these restaurants that are lakeside like that, they're lovely places. And, and people, uh, when the weather is so nice, they love to frequent those restaurants. And you're right, the, the, it's kind of a flashback to uh, uh, almost a... Um, nautically preppy yeah. uh, uh, fashion uh, on display there. And I think there, his, them recapping it, it sounded like it went from an observation of fashion and his mind took him to another place with it. Well, eventually, and that just got, kind of goes to show you that uh, triggers are relentless. They do invade us. I do not like, but I do really think it's appropriate, uh, the word invasion. Uh, you know, here they were trying to have a very nice time together and with family, and then all of a sudden, uninvited uh, or unintentionally, you know, uh, all of these triggers, there were multiple triggers, evidently, just kind of started coming into the restaurant. Now, you know, the husband was just uh, aware of the fact, and I think this is kind of a good thing. I mean, this is a sign of progress, that he was aware of how much more difficult it then became to stay focused uh, on his wife and family. And it sounds like, you know, he was probably fairly successful in doing that, and he was, in a way, having to work his own program, take every thought captive, and make it obedient to Christ, and uh, stay focused. Uh, there are times, even after 30 years of sobriety, when I sit in a restaurant, and I will sit with my back to the door, or my back to the crowd, uh, and if there's TVs in there, which is frequently the case, uh, I will sit uh, with my back to the uh, TV, so that I don't get distracted by that, which would include sporting events, and can stay focused on Debbie or whoever we happen to be with. So anyway, restaurants, 
beachwear, lakewear, you know, attractive women with their tans. That is our uh, trigger of the week. Well, we thank them again for their uh, submission of that trigger. And back to the subject of today's show. Well, we're talking about being the light of the world. Uh, and we've established that as lights, we are to be a reflection of uh, the light of Christ inside of our lives. And we've talked about how intentionally we need to work on uh, our relationship with Christ. Now there are three different um, ways that I think we are called to be a light that is uh, part of this passage. So let's get into that. Uh, Number one, a light is to be seen. I think when Jesus is talking to us about this, he's basically saying, and of course there's you know another part of the passage about, you know, and we all sang this song in Sunday school, you know, hide your light under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. By the way, a bushel, I've always wondered about that, by the way, you know, and uh, Dr. Barkley explained it, that there was uh, something the Jews had back in their day called a bushel. It was like a basket, and I guess we, we do talk about bushel baskets. But in order to preserve a light, keep the flame lit and preserve it for a longer period of time, they would cover it with some kind of a, uh, like a bucket or uh, some kind of like a crate or something um, that would uh, not extinguish the light, but cause it to burn more slowly because of a little less oxygen. And uh, when they would leave the house, they would uh, put this bushel over the light. So Jesus is saying here, when we're out in the world, we are not to cover our light, we are to allow our light to be seen. Now, I think one of the things we need to take from that is if we are to be the light of the world and a reflection of Christ's love and presence, then I think he is talking about, at times, living our Christian life on a daily basis. Um, How many people are there that shine when they're at church? Uh, They're more than happy to, uh, you know, do praise and worship in an exciting, shining way. Uh, But when they leave the doors of the church throughout the rest of the week, there would be nothing in the way of their behavior to, you know, necessarily indicate that they are uh, a Christian. So one of the first things I think we need to think about light is that we don't cover it. We allow it to shine. We let the joy of Christ be reflected in um, all of our behaviors, all of our dealings, all of our conversations. And we, we have the the courage to do that. It's the invitation to let our light shine seven days a week and not just on Sundays. That That is right. And uh, there's a recognition that many of us, I think, get historically at least somewhat embarrassed. We think people will be judgmental of us if we're, you know, Christians or goody-goody or whatever uh, else we imagine. Uh, so anyway, uh, I do think that uh, Jesus is commanding us to take seriously the idea that our light shines continually, it's bright, it's uh, reflecting of our joy, and uh, so forth. So um, I will let all of the listeners interpret that for themselves in terms of where they are with that. Uh, one of the things I notice as we try to always relate these to uh, our population of people is that I think what was very important to me in the early days of my recovery is that there were some men that attended the groups that I went to who were much farther down the road of sobriety than I was at that point. And um, there were uh, a number of them who were clearly reflective of the joy of what sobriety was bringing to them. Uh, They had a certain peace, they had a certain serenity, uh, they had a certain uh, confidence, they had a certain joy as a result of being sober for an extended period of time. They were, uh, to me, uh, like a light. They were a source of encouragement, inspiration, and uh, I really wanted to be like them. So that's, I think, the first thing that we think about 
when we think about light, and, and particularly in terms of our recovery. So the men who come here, particularly the ones who are farther down the road and being successful, I like to think that uh, they are light to the uh, younger men uh, or the, the newer men that are coming into the program. Well, it sounds like you've come across exactly what we're trying to get at there. Those men sound like they're the perfect example of providing that light that Jesus is inviting us to, to have, that recovery on their healing journey and that sobriety that they're experiencing. It's pretty motivational. It's pretty illuminating for mm-hmm. uh, for the men who are earlier in their struggle or earlier in their uh, healing. So um, I thought that's a pretty valid example. All right. Well, let's uh, go on to number two. Uh, Number two is that a light uh, must be a guide. In other words, we shine flashlights to show the path in front of us uh, and that kind of thing. So when we are the light of the world, we are to be a guide. I think there's an assumption in this teaching that the world is otherwise a dark place and that there are lots of bad things happening, lots of evil out there, and that as lights, we are clearly to show the way, in a way to be the moral compass, that's a term we use uh, all the time, um, show people the next right thing to do, um, how to avoid the evils and the pitfalls that are out there in the world. Uh, that's an important uh, aspect of being a light. One of the things a commentator was saying that I was reading about this is that the average person doesn't necessarily always have the, um, the emotional or spiritual strength to stand up uh, at times to the darkness in the world. And when we are called to be the light of the world, we are called to be the ones who has that moral strength, that moral compass. And as a result of that, we're going to have to occasionally take a stand against some of that darkness. When we relate this to our population, I think, you know, I think of the men that have been, you know, partaking in a lot of the darkness of the world and their sexual sin. But now that they're getting sober, I think it's part of their recovery to be a light and to point out, in fact, you know, what some of that darkness out there is. And let's face it, you know, the world is not only at times a dark and discouraging place, but it's also a place where there are moral convictions being preached and spoken and accepted out there that uh, we Christians should not agree with. And uh, when we are called to be a light, we are called to illuminate the lies of some of that kind of stuff. It sounds to me that what you're getting at, for at least as far as what I'm hearing is, is that Satan is the provider of darkness. And that we're being invited to break through that darkness. It it made me remember uh, one of your addresses when you and I were in Miami and you were uh, up there teaching with the Fight of Your Life event. And uh, there was a torrential downpour that day. You would have thought that there was a hurricane approaching Miami. Uh, and you said to the man, uh, do I have any, any other believers in spiritual warfare? Mm-hmm. And and he said, and you said he you um, said you know I truly believe that Satan does not want us to be together here today, right. and yet we had men that drove all the way from Orlando to Miami for that event that morning, which took a monumental effort uh, w- when you considered uh, the weather and all. So it's one of those shining light coming through the darkness in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, to be there, to hear the message, to spread the message, to uh, inspire other men 
Now that you're uh, mentioning that story, I'm uh, reminded of a fascinating experience I had, a short mission trip to Africa, and uh, I had been invited to speak at one of the local churches, and the uh, people there, this is in the Cameroon, in the capital city, Yaoundé, the people had gathered on plain wooden benches, they didn't have the uh, money yet to uh, put windows, so the concrete block building just had openings for the windows, but no windows. Uh, They had put a roof on the place, and it was a completely metal roof. And in the middle of my speech, it started to uh, just be an absolute downpour, like you were just describing in Miami. And that rain on that metal roof, I thought, made it impossible to uh, be heard. Uh, And I looked down at the pastor, and I said, do you want to take a break? And uh, he said, no, you know, the people are listening. They are listening intently, and uh, don't interrupt yourself. So uh, we kept going, and then the next thing I know, the brainstorm did knock out the power, so the whole place was completely pitch black dark, and, uh, you know, all the all the people there were Africans, so, I mean, there was absolutely no way to see them, and again, I kind of looked at what I thought was the general direction of where the pastor was sitting and said, you know, pastor, this is a pretty impossible situation, and he said, no, you know, continue on. Uh, you're coming across loud and clear. You're coming across loud and clear. The people are paying attention. And uh, so I did. And uh, it was one of the most interesting speaking experiences of my life to be in total, absolute darkness and trying to talk about truth. So now that I'm remembering it, I think it is an example of what we're talking here yeah, today. You're, you're, you are providing more light than you were aware of. Hopefully so. And uh, hopefully they took something away from that. Well, anyway, one final point today in the show about uh, light, and that is uh, kind of the lighthouse principle number three here, that we are to be a guide and uh, warn people about dangers out there in the world. It's like shining a flashlight, light being a lighthouse, uh, you know, warning people about, you know, uh, difficult rocks, you know, in places where we'll get sunk. And, you know, it kind of all goes together. You know, we are to be a light. We are to f- reflect uh, Christ's love and grace in our heart. We are to uh, uh, to shine and, uh, you know, point out moral problems out there in the world. And number three, we are to warn people about dangers out there in the world. And I know that that's, uh, you know, one of the things that when I've spoken on college campuses, uh, I feel like I've been doing is that kind of light because... I think the average young mind does not necessarily fully realize how impacting it can be to uh, get involved even at those young ages in uh, pornography and masturbation and sexual uh, contact with other people. They they kind of accept it as a cultural dynamic of their age group, and it's no big deal. And, you know, some of us who are older and have experienced it, I think we need to come along and be a light to them and point out, you know, the the dangers of getting involved in sexually sinful behavior and that kind of thing. So anyway, point number three is uh, as lights in the world, we are to be guides and uh, constantly pointing out danger. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. We hope that today's show has been enlightening to you on uh, on so many levels. We thank you for joining us, and we hope that the coming week is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.